0: Welcome to The Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of The Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about production and insurance restoration with the help of special guest Mike Carey. contracting in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show.
1: Hey everyone, Tim Fowler here and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. So I've got a hunch that many of the people that listen to this podcast are either full-line remodelers that do design, build, or some that use architects in that design build and what we try to do here is bring a lot of different perspectives to uh, everyone out there and so I think we can learn something from people who are outside of our primary industry and so in this case uh, we're talking about outside our industry in the fact that we're talking about insurance restoration and uh, in some cases it's a whole nother world and in other cases, it's very, very similar to what we do. In other words, we're talking about companies that respond to a fire or a leaky faucet or a, le- a flood that goes through, uh, working with the clients. And I guess in some ways, the, the client is also the insurance company. And then they uh, get in there and rebuild the place. So I've actually visited with a couple of companies that do this kind of work. And it's quite fascinating to see uh, how it all uh, evolves. And so much of it's the same in the rebuilding of the structure, but there are very, very important differences. So even though a lot of you might not do insurance restoration work out there, I think there's probably some golden nuggets in here that if we can learn a little bit from the insurance folks that maybe we can go away and be better remodelers, as a matter of fact. And maybe you want to get into insurance work. I don't know. I guess we'll find some
0: of those things. So I'd like to go ahead and get started and see what pops up. Steve? Yeah, here we go. Well, Mike Carey of Carey Contracting has been in business for 35 years with insurance restoration, being a part of that for the past 25 years. Early in his career, the company simply fell into fire damage restoration and Mike decided to go to adjuster school not to become an adjuster but to learn for the industry from their perspective to better enable them to provide services. They've been they have since completed industrial fire restoration, medical, apartments, commercial, you name it. After so many years in the industry, they've come to know not only the field adjusters but the corporate bosses as well. One thing they strive for is to not take sides looking at each project objectively and presenting the data to all parties, letting owner and insurance work out the coverage. Welcome to the show, Mike.
2: Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you guys having me on.
0: Hey, this is pretty,
1: pretty much a lot. This is a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to getting into this. So just give us a little bit more information about your business. What, uh, do you do full line remodeling and insurance restoration? And if so, what are the percentages that you would have in there?
2: Yeah, we're, you know, we're in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. We call it anything for a buck club because it's, <laughs> it's a very rural area. So we pretty much have to do it all. So, so we do commercial, light commercial anyway, a little bit of industrial, um, residential remodeling, commercial remodeling, and, and a good share of it. Well, 50% of it, uh, is insurance restoration. And the nice part about insurance restoration is, It's kind of like a funeral or death. There's always, it's always going to happen. There's, you know, it's very unpredictable in that it's a a roller coaster, but it's recession proof. You know that no matter what time of year or what the economy is, there's going to be restoration. So many years, the insurance restoration side has saved us in down economies because. Uh, you know, it doesn't know a bad economy, a fire is going to happen when it happens. So that part has been a little bit of a saving grace. It is difficult. You know, you definitely have to have a niche at it. Um, But once you learn it, it's it can be rewarding. It's rewarding helping the client, you know, to get out of a a very bad situation and, and back and putting their life back together.
1: So we'll we'll get back to the client in a little bit and just talk about how this is different than that regular remodeling world. But just give us give us a little bit of an idea of how does a job come to you? I know, in most of our worlds, you know, we're marketing, and we, you know, put the word out there, and then we wait for the phone to ring. And, you know, that kind of thing. So give us a little bit better idea of how it works in the insurance restoration world that you actually end up with a job, I guess, like from from the first call that comes in to when you're actually out there working on it?
2: it well, it's, a, it's, you know, when you've been in business 35 years, it's a little different because we've, we're so known at it at this point that when, when a customer has a fire, they talk to a lot of friends and family and they say, you must call these people. <laughs> you know, carry so, but in the early days, then if you're, if somebody wants to start this industry, it is marketing and it's, is going around to all the insurance agents who would be starters and, and just dropping off cards and say, hey, I, I do this line of work. If you see of anything, we'd sure appreciate a call. So the agents is a marketing technique, um, but for us pretty much it's reputation from both the adjusters and the owner. The, the adjusters like um, referring people to us because we know the system. We provide all the data when I go back to insurance school you provide all the data in a way that, in, that the insurance company likes to see it. So, and to the customer, we have a reputation of just follow through and making the process very smooth. So it's not a complicated process. So right now, for the most part, the way it comes to us is purely word of mouth from both the insurance side and the customer side. But if you're starting out, the way to do it is is you meet with insurance um, industry agents and adjusters and just. Knock on their door, drop them a card, say hi, stay in touch three, four, five times a year. Just touch points that many times a year just to stay in front.
1: So when a loss actually occurs, it's the client that calls you or is it the adjuster that calls you?
2: 90% of the time, it's the client that calls us. Um, But we do have... Um, so the adjuster, because the adjuster can't really refer, but so they'll get to a customer and the customer might say, we don't know anybody. We have no clue who's going to help us. And the adjuster might say, you might try these people or the agent might do this. You might try these people. They try not to refer specifically, but they do throw the hat in the (laughs) ring to say, "You might, you know, reach out to them and see what they can do for you.
1: So you... So somebody from your office heads out there, and let's just say it was a fire. How how does that then develop? How does the job then develop from the client came in and called you, and so where does it go from there?
2: So that, and I'm glad you brought that up. So that's an interesting part of this. That's actually the critical part of this. So somebody calls with a fire. We go in with a document. It's a one-page authorization to repair. And we meet with the customer, we look through the loss, we talk them through what our company can do, how we do it. We might bring some marketing material, mainly saying, these are past customers, you're welcome to call them. Um, We do encourage them not to do anything dramatic, even signing with us, do not, just give it three, four, five days to calm down because it's a highly stressful event. They might not be making rational, decisions. So we we present ourselves, we show them what we can do, how we can make the process smooth. We do give them that document and say, before we go further, we do need you to sign that document because it, it's not, it, insurance is a process and it could be a, a six month process. It's not just a matter of writing an estimate, signing it and producing it. It is a process and it's a very labor intensive, office labor intensive Process so we we give them that document, walk through everything they need to do, and we even encourage them to meet others because you really want a good, um, in my opinion, it has to be a good gut relationship. You have to feel good about who you're working with, and if if you have that good feeling, it's going to be a smooth project. A project, and if you if you have that, and that goes both directions, you right. know, us and the customer as well, uh, because sometimes we'll meet with what's called a player. Um, and 99.9% of the people of the world just want it done. They want it done right. They don't want a dime extra. Um, but they don't want to dime short either. They just want it fair. Um, but every now and then you get out somebody that really wants to tweak the system. And, and that's a red flag for us because they will, they will tweak us just as quickly as the insurance company. So <laughs> we look at the flag and, and, uh, and if what's what we call a player, we kind of str- you know stray away because it's just going to not be fun for anybody. And why get involved? So so that's kind of the first step is stepping through there. We do offer um, stop loss services to say we will come in immediately, we'll board up, we'll right. take out some valuable contents, and then let it rest. Just calm down, catch your you know catch your breath, make sure you're doing the right thing. Don't do anything rash. And once a week or two or three has gone by and, and the stress level has come down, then let's move forward and, and come at this in a objective way.
1: So in preparation for all this, we had a few emails back and forth. And there were three things that you mentioned that might be sort of different from a production standpoint. Uh, you had the demolition and discovery, the documentation, and the tracking estimated uh, versus as built. So, could you just make have you know some brief comments on each one of those three and what that means for your business?
2: Sure. Demolition and discovery in an insurance loss. Um, there's often ninety nine percent of the time you can only see what you can see. There's things that are hidden that you have no clue what you're going to encounter. So that's demolition and discovery. That the insurance company is okay with. Let's just go in, take things apart open things up see what's going on and then stop again because we've we've discovered now we've you know taken it to the point where yes everybody can see exactly what has to happen and then we move forward
1: yeah so I'm sit- a, so I'm sitting here thinking like wouldn't all the production people in the world love that <laughs> res- love to be able to do that they'd love to be able to go into a house tear it apart and then go okay
0: now let's do the estimate
2: yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and that's you know the the insurance industry does not want us guessing you know we can say we think this is what's going to have to happen so we put that in their estimate and that's just a no-go for them they they want you to write what you can see period and then deal with what's called supplement. so um so that's why we can say you know and the senior adjusters are very good to work with they understand the process it's the rookie adjusters that do not so the senior right. adjusters under- well as we do, that we have to open it up. We have to see what's going on in order to know just what exactly we have to do. Let me ask so a quick question.
0: Mike, in this phase, when are you, when and how are you getting paid? Is it a time of materials on the demolition discovery?
2: In a way it is, um, but we use a program called Xactimate. Um, it's insurance-accepted software. Um, so in a way it's time of material because we open it up, Um, And then we can write in our line items for everything we've done. So in in one way, it's that. So we open it up. That's the demolition and discovery. And every adjust, sometimes we bring in engineers, a structural engineer. We'll bring in electricians, plumbing, heating, whatever it takes to get that discovery mode, including once we've spent a week or two, then we bring the adjuster back in and say, okay, now we can see what's going on. This is what we have to do. The big thing is agreeing to a scope of work. So that's, that's that part, the demolition and discovery. Okay. The other was probably, if I remember the three, I'm trying to remember the three Uh,
1: documentation.
2: So that, that one is critical. Every project foreman should have a cell phone. The insurance industry really has no issue paying for the loss so long as you can prove it. So if you have a picture um, and let's say, you tear something apart and you take a picture of it and then you do temporary shore brace and you take a picture of that and then you do the framing and you take a picture of that. and it's not just close-up photos, it's backup overview photos so they can see what's going on. And if you can show that you did the work, this is what it took this is what you used you track your man hours they really don't have they every contractor has to understand the adjuster has a boss. he has to, fill out his report and submit it for review. And if his documentation isn't there, and this is part of what I learned when I went about adjusting, is it's just a matter of documentation. So documentation is key, and photos are the best form of documentation. It's very hard to get paid if you just say, well, we had to tear it apart, we reframed it, and it's good now. <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. and there's zero documentation. It's, you know Who would? So it's just a matter of proper documentation. And then the the worst headache for the production managers is the insurance versus as built. And every adjuster knows, and we keep them right up front with it, that, um, the customer is going to change it. And the insurance company says that we don't care if they change it. We only owe for what was, you know, damaged, what, what they owe for. And that's where we talk about being objective. We don't take sides. We say, this is the insurance part responsibility and this is the owner's responsibility and we let them know as well as you know that is not the insurance company's problem that is your problem you know not theirs that was not that might be damaged but it wasn't caused by the fire that was damaged you know with something else so that is your issue and and that that in itself helps create a smooth process when we can be that buffer between insurance and yeah. owner where you might think that they owe for it then we can objectively say they don't there's whether it's this insurance company or any other there's not insurance company out there that's going to pay for that so that just helps them calm down and say all right if that's not normal but it is you know the you give the the documents to the foreman the project manager and say insurance industry is responsible for floor covering the top layer of flooring only even if there's hardwood down underneath if they had carpet on top that's what they get paid for and that's a big argument is we right. just say, that's your top layer of flooring. That's what you get paid for. They're all the same. Don't try to argue it. You can try to argue <laughs> it, but you're not going to win. Get upset if you don't. Yeah. And then we tell the, you know, the that they're paid for carpet, $1,000. They want to move to hardwood, $8,000. We just have to track the difference. So insurance industry, you're responsible for the thousand. Homeowner, we're going to credit that thousand against the hardwood. So And that, you know, so you owe 7,000, but it's, And that happens all over the project, you know, different trim, different uh, two-tone paint, wallpaper, you name it. That's the biggest headache of tracking the as-built to the insurance as to what they're responsible for and what the homeowner wants.
1: So in some ways, though, it sounds like it might be more clear in the insurance world, like what the client is paying for versus what the insurance company is paying for than in the the regular world where the client goes, no, 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 I thought this was included. And and has, you know, a, a conversation or quote, a fight unquote with the contractor about you promised me this and you promised me that. So it's almost like it might be more clear in that insurance world. And I'm I was just sitting here thinking that that the documentation part of the re- of the regular restoration or regular remodeling world is so much more critical because it isn't that clear.
2: Yeah and actually you're right I never thought of it from that perspective but we are forced to be very detail oriented um, and it and it makes it very easy you know to say you know there could be a document that's a you know 20 30 50 pages long Um, of everything we're doing and we can easily go to a page and and it's sometimes overwhelming for a homeowner to see a document that big. Right. Um, so you try not to confuse them, but it is easy to point out and say, look, we had $400 for a window. It's what you had. You picked out a patio door. That's what this is. So here's the, here's the difference. If you want to go for it, Uh, you know, approve it. Um, and if you don't, the other one, as far as production, when you hit these problems, that um, we just push through them. And, you know, sometimes you'd say, well, now we have to stop. We have to write a change order. We have to get adjuster's approval, owner's approval. Um, and that change orders, people think they're profitable. They're a nightmare. You know, <laughs> if we could deal with, with change orders, would be much more profitable. So we just push through the change and document it and know that, you know, if it's insurance, we've, again, have enough experience to know that, if we document it and it's legit, they're going to approve it. It's just a no brainer. So we right. just push through, deal with the change, document it, write the change order, send it to the insurance company and say, look, this is what happened. This is what we had to do. Here's the detail. And and most of them don't have a you know a problem. However, we have learned to spot the bad insurance companies and we avoid those as well. Much like the player sometimes, the homeowner. okay, okay. bad players insurance industry as well. So if we see those certain names come up, we just conveniently say, you know, we're kind of booked right now. We can't really deal with it um, and move on. And the other ones that are very good, we'll work with all day long. So it goes both ways.
1: So one of the things that I've heard through working with several of these companies is this idea of code improvement And I know like electrical code and many of the old houses didn't have receptacles in all the places, especially like a kitchen. Uh, There won't be a 20 amp circuit dedicated to the kitchen and there won't be a dedicated circuit for all the appliances or each appliance. So how do you deal with the fact that this is all going back, but you've got an inspector possibly, and I don't know like in jur- East jurisdiction, it might be different, but how do you deal with uh, code improvements?
2: So code upgrade coverage is a specific thing on their policy. Some have it, some don't. Okay. So it's a little, um, so if you have, most policies have code upgrade coverage um, but okay. some of them are limited to a certain amount, five, 10, 20, it's rarely it's unlimited. Um, So if it is code upgrade in coverage, we just have to document it again and show that this is today's code. We must bring it up to code and we have to separate it. What is the normal fire restoration rewiring and what is code upgrade? So we just have to separate it. And the danger zone is if they're required to bring it up to code and they don't have coverage for it. Right, right. And, and now here's a customer that may not have the money for it either. You know, they're thrown into this. They did not plan this remodeling project. You know, they had no money set aside. Right. And now here's a $1,000 bill to bring it up to code that they just don't have. So that's a little tricky. So yeah. we do watch.
0: So, Mike, you uh... – I assume that all of the, the labor in your company does both the remodeling design, build remodeling side and the insurance restoration. And is there a different way that they need to approach that in terms of the way they go about things?
2: Um, not in ours because we've, we've kind of trained everybody to be document oriented. Um, so, so once they're handed a job, um, you know, they're, whether it's a regular restoration project or an insurance restoration project, um, they execute it the same. Um, if there's, you know, they'll see a scope of work and if there's something beyond the scope, they'll know to document it, photograph it, that sort of thing. Um, it's really then just keeping the adjuster informed If there's something really strange. You know, if there's a big ticket item, we really need to call them up and say, this is what's going on. Um, but otherwise it's, it's really very similar. Once it's, once the project's getting executed, it's, it's pretty straightforward. We've offered a lot of training on, you know, how to do fire restoration, um, you know, hazard communication, that sort of thing. So, you know, and that's just the same in remodeling or insurance, whether you spot asbestos or um, black mold or whatever the case may be, you know, just identifying that and dealing with it.
1: So just let's talk for a second. You, you, you mentioned, when they're handed a job, give us a little rundown on what your field crew gets from you or from your sales team or whatever you call them, to prepare them to go out there and and do this restoration. What what kind of documentation do they get?
2: So there is a pretty decent uh, package of handoff. So number one, I should mention, the first thing we do when we get on site is we photograph existing condition pretty extensively even if it's a pure black fire we photograph it from every corner of the room we stand in all four corners shoot every corner we shoot the floor we shoot the ceiling so they can so and the objective to this is um, let's say there's a whole wall of photos that they know exactly what photos go where um, when it's all tore apart so they know what it's supposed to look like when it goes back together so there's this pre- documentation that says, including, um, because this hits us, you know, there's a dent in the refrigerator or there's paint <laughs> on the trim existing that, that, you know, and all we're paid to do is detach and reset. We're not paid to replace. And all of a sudden the painter did their thing and they say, look, they painted our trim. And so you have that document to show that, well, there was paint on the trim before. Oh wow. um, So that, so there's a, a pre package. That's uh, a lot of photos that they have. Um, for that and then there is a, um, a a component sheet so they can see this is the you know the windows we need 12 windows at four hundred dollars a piece and they need to shop those windows and make sure they're in that budget or you know the homeowner might say we want to upgrade so there's a component and then there's a labor component that says you have so many hours for framing so many hours for demolition so many hours for drywall and they're Supposed to track that for us and say we're ahead on demolition, behind on framing, um, that sort of thing. So they're managing to those numbers. Um, And then they're given a specification sheet that might say the homeowner has selected this, 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 and this, and here's where we priced them from so they know where to buy it. Here's your subcontractors, here's your subcontractor quotes, so here's their documents. if depending on what kind of time ahead of time. Here's the paint colors. Here's the flooring specs. You know, here's what you're choosing. So the more time we can put in up front, the better. And I know one of your comments was about rapidly getting somebody into their home. Um, and that is kind of a point, but we push more for the upfront detail than we do the speed in the end, just because it, it just makes it smoother. If we can have that extra week or two up front, and it's sometimes frustrating for the homeowner because they want to see something happening and is happening. It's just they can't see it. So, uh, you know, getting all that documentation done. Um, and again, staying up with the adjusters saying, look, you know, we're good. You're only paying $300 for this vanity, but they're putting in a new, you know, $1,200 vanity. And, you know, so when they see the after photo, they know that the homeowner was good with it. So there again, we stay package with that. And then the, the production turns in a sheet at the end, as well as before they finish somebody from the office of production manager, will go through and provide a checklist that says, yes, we did 400 um, lineal feet of trim approximately versus 1200 lineal feet, you know, right. just to know that something else didn't happen. Um, eight windows, that sort of thing. And then we, once the job closes out, we have an autopsy to say what went good, what didn't go well, um, what could we have done differently? How is, and 99.9, you, I'm sure you know this exactly. <laughs> Communi- good communication will solve everything. 99.9% of the issues can be solved with solid communication. And if, we're never excellent at that. I wish we were, but it's it, it would be so simple if we could just communicate well.
1: Yeah, so I want all the salespeople and production managers out there listening to this to understand that Mike just said even though there's a fire or a flood, they're putting the client off until they have more details. Now, that's astonishing to me because it would seem to me like we ought to be rushing in there and fixing this thing, and and yet in full-line remodeling, very often we're jumping into jobs without getting all the details just because we want to, or something like that. So everybody pay attention to that. I think that's a golden nugget right there. Let me, let me ask you about that budget because it strikes me that every carpenter that works for a company wants to have input on that budget. They want to say, I think it'll take eight hours or 12 hours. And what I think you're saying is that there's a computer program that is telling you, that you're going to get paid four hours to replace that trim. How do you get your team to care about that number when it seems like it's coming from somebody in Boston? <laughs> you know?
2: Well there's and I'm glad you brought that point up too. Um, because again this is where senior adjusters come out well. So here's the software program out of California actually or or Utah's where it comes okay. from. So, and it says you can do that job in – a bathroom is a perfect example. The base trim, there's 12 lineal feet of base trim in a bathroom, and it says you can do that base trim in 15 minutes. They don't realize there's 23 cuts right. in that bathroom to, to put in that 12 lineal feet. So, again, dealing with a seasoned adjuster is easy. We can put in the 12 lineal feet. They give us 15 minutes, but we do another line item that says, look, there's 23 cuts in this bathroom. We need – another man hour or another two man hours to complete that task and we write that line. Okay. And the adjuster, if it's seasoned adjuster, they'll say, We understand. Go ahead. We we agree with that. If it's a rookie adjuster, they don't. They say, well the software says you can do it. So you So that's a pain. That's rough. But we look at all those items across the board to say that, you know, how does drywall look? You know, because again they they think of it in the software world as you're doing an apartment complex, you know, repetitive, large volume. So we have to look at small spaces and say, no, we can't do that. That's just not realistic. And again, seasoned adjusters, we both look at the number, and and sometimes it's a a complete wag, and the adjuster might say, I think you can do it in 12, and we say 24, and we might meet in the middle. Or, Or I might say for all I know it will take 12. I just, I'm yeah. completely at a loss. So we do highlight those strange items and then we just say, look, this is how we sold the job. I, I think you can do it in that many man hours and, and I hope you can, but it it not is, it always also, you know, you get five different project foremen, and they'll have five different ways of completing the task. It's, you know, sure. it's, it's just impossible. And, and as an estimator, there's a sixth way everybody is. So I've been a whole form of here's the end result. You do it the way you want to, that you think is most efficient, but there's still the man hours we have to produce this in. That's, that's a done deal. You know? So if you take twice the man hours because you think it should have been done differently, that's just, you're not a good project manager then.
1: So I, I promised everybody we'd get back to the client. And uh, as we're starting to wrap up here, like, what do you do? to make sure that these clients who are under a lot of stress and have, you know, like you said, they they didn't choose to have a fire. They weren't anticipating a remodel. They didn't get, you know, a, a inheritance of a hundred grand so they could, you know, redo their house. How do you keep them from going over the edge if I can use that term? Uh, what, what do you do?
2: I, I really do believe that that first bit of advice just take a minute, step back. You know, we're, we're here, um, or anybody, pick somebody, you know, but to, to just let things stop loss, calm down, catch your breath, because you just don't want to be making big decisions in this state of mind. So number one, it's calming the customer down and, and letting them feel at ease. And I think part of it, when you have 30 years experience, it's easy for them to feel at ease that okay. they've done this so it's going to be, you know, better than somebody that might be a rookie at it. So, so that's the first step and then helping them manage the process because a lot of times they think, well, you know, it's, it's insurance. I want all new everything and, and we have to bring them down to reality that you might want all new everything, but it's just not damaged from that fire or that flood or, right. or that's something that we can truly clean and paint and it'll be brand spanking new um, and it's not so, so it's really bringing reality into the subject that, that I think that helps calm them down and then managing the process of, you know, insurance is going to pay $120,000 and if you're okay with 150, you know, so long as you're comfortable with that, but if you want to stay at 120, then you have to make the choices that keep you in that budget. You can only choose product that are going to stay within um, and if we write a change order that says that's a twenty thousand dollar change order, we need money. You know, right. we need that from outside of insurance. And then the insurance draws our. Um, we usually get them. You know, maybe a third down. Say we want a third for cash flow. We want a third at this point. But the insurance always holds that last twenty percent until the okay. project is done. And then we just show it through. You know, and that's just part of the drill. So the the downside of insurance side a couple of downsides is cash is we're the bank. They truly use the contractor as the bank. They will hold the money as long as possible. And it could be six to eight months before you get paid. There's always some reason right. um, that something goes on that we end up being the bank. So on the personal side, if they're making their own change orders, we say you need to pony up. This is this is a change. We need the cash. Um, and if you're right. you know, if they're approving it, then you still have that insurance twenty percent at the end. The other nightmare is if there's a bank involved, they take the money and then they send their inspectors. You know, the big national banks, the this hometown banks are no issue. They'll just sign over and endorse the check. But the big Wells Fargo, for instance, or any of the big banks, the whatever they are out there, they just have a process. They say that check belongs to us. No questions asked um it goes to them and then they send out their inspectors and you know it's 6 or 8 months after the project is completed before they even start releasing funds that's wow. fun.
1: yeah so a lot of those little things like getting that money for the change order i think is something that the rest of the world has learned maybe from the insurance restoration people that that's the really the way to get it done um so okay. who who actually uh, shepherds the client through this process? Is it the project manager or is there a, uh, the salesperson kind of walks them through from beginning to end?
2: No, well, the salesperson is, again, a lot of that upfront stuff before it's turned over to production. So there's a lot of that stuff that's walked through upfront. But once that jacket gets turned over to production, they're the king, they're, the, they're in charge. They're, you know, they could use the salespeople as tools but that jacket is in their hands and that's their responsibility until they hand that jacket back then then that job jacket comes back into the office and then everything is wrapped up but as soon as that jacket is turned over to the project manager he's 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 done with it he's he's got the ball
0: yeah uh mike as we're wrapping up if somebody's listening who is in the design build uh, side of remodeling um you know, how could they explore? What what would be some steps if they did want to add to their service offering and some things to consider to explore this, uh, you know, how would they do that?
2: If they want to get into this industry, um, number one is the software. They pretty much have to hop into one of the insurance accepted industry software. And I think there's, if Symbility is still out there, Symbility and Exactware. Um, so that's number one. You have to have the software that's that can speak their language. Um, and number two, then training, there's probably training out there that teaches you on fire and smoke restoration, water damage, restoration. There's plenty of schools out there um, that are maybe week long schools, um, to learn that industry and then getting the word out and talking to agents and adjusters and let them know you're available to do this work. Um, so that's probably the starting point. Great. This has
1: been fantastic, Mike. Thank you very, very much for all of your time. And uh, just insights into something that many of us don't know very much about.
2: I appreciate you guys having me on the show. It was, it was fun. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. All right. Well, Tim, I learned a lot today. That was really a fantastic podcast. I've always thought of insurance restoration as being a very tough start because in a way it's almost like a, a tow truck. Nobody ever wants to see a tow truck. You know, so that you go on to a you mentioned the client during this podcast and just that emotional component up front is just something that's very difficult. But, Mike, you know, he speaks to the years of experience and you can hear it in the podcast of how, you know, how versed he is in, in doing a great job. Yeah, one
1: of the myths that uh, that I was busted for me was this idea that you pretty much only get what the insurance company wants to pay you. And it sounded like with good negotiation skills and the ability to really see what needs to be done, you can add some money in for make jobs that are more difficult and so forth like that. Although you got to fight for it. You got to make sure that you're you know pushing for your end of the business. Yeah. I really like, too, that he went and learned how to be an adjuster. <laughs> I thought <laughs> that, that, had, that had to be the best thing he did for that business. He yeah. went and learned. The perspective from the other side of the fence and uh, anytime you can do that it's got to be a plus
0: it's like becoming an inspector yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> all right well once again we'd like to thank mike carey for joining us and thank you for listening to another episode of the tim fowler show and remember at the tim fowler show we're
1: working really hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary
0: This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.